0: You have people into your home, whether it's perfect or not. And let me tell you, people will be more comfortable if your house is not perfect. I hope that you invite, especially if your house is not perfect, like despite everything else, the broken things, the whatever it is, I promise you people just want to be loved. They want to be invited into your home. That is what matters. Invite anyways, whatever your anyways is.
1: We all long for the sense of connection that comes with finding our community. It's just one of the things many of us have mourned throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Jennifer Stag, and my guest today on Heart of the Home Podcast is someone who has spent her life building connections with people. If you know Kristen Andres, you likely know her reputation for hosting the most delightful dinner gatherings while you'll always find plenty of good food at her house, that's never her main motivation. Kristen believes helping friends and strangers find support and build those critical networks is the purest way she can share love. Today, she's giving us all the encouragement to open our homes and discover something new about ourselves in the process. Welcome to Heart of the Home, a podcast exploring the personal histories that inspire our surroundings. Candid conversations about the stories behind the pretty pictures, tales of design and renovations gone wrong and right. Because a home isn't just a structure filled with themes, it's the people who live there. So join me as we explore the unique stories that help each of us find our way home. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. You know, we've been friends virtually for a while, and then we have some overlap. Personally, our kids go to the same school, and so I get to interact with you occasionally. And one of the things that I have been so impressed with following you for a while and then having the pleasure of being welcomed into your home is that your home is such a warm, welcoming space where everyone just sort of feels at ease was that very intentional yes
0: absolutely um we built our home two years ago and uh well it took about two years to build almost and then we moved in two years ago and i do feel like the minute we walked in it felt like home as we were setting things up or as we were kind of making decisions it was based around having people in our home, entertaining people in our home, feeding people around the table, being able to fit a lot of people. And that was outdoor and indoor. And then and making sure that our house was was filled, that we used every room, right? So like the music room oftentimes sits there and it's like cold and but we have four violinists and we have a piano, like we have a lot going on in there. So sometimes our music room is our so I wouldn't have done a music room if it wasn't going to be used where I wouldn't have a sitting room in a location. I would turn it into a playroom. And so every square inch of our house is used. And that was super important to me. It's not a small house, but there's eight of us living there. And we're constantly having people in and out, staying with us, eating with us, um, you know, coming over to play and uh, and entertaining. So it was very intentional. Yes.
1: I want to talk a little bit about where that feeling of wanting your home to be the place where people come and hang out and feel comfortable comes from so let's talk about your childhood home a little bit was this the type of home that you grew up in yes
0: absolutely my mom um, loved to entertain we had a, a, a nice big home and a nice backyard and so it was always my mom was always the one doing the Christmas parties and always the one doing the ladies lunches and I look and I'm like oh wait that's me and so I didn't think anything of it growing up that was all I knew but it was it was very warm and it was like ours where You know, it had some of the high ceilings and some of you know where you may you may walk in and think, oh, is this going to be kind of big and and uh, cold and not? But it it was warm and bright and very welcoming. And I think because people are in and out, I also think one thing my mom did a pretty good job of. I'm much better than her in this way, is that our house wasn't perfect. She liked a clean house, and so it, it definitely stayed fairly clean. But I think when you don't have to have your house perfect. You can make messes. You can invite people over and not worry. I remember when I first, when we first moved in, I I, I threw a big party and everyone's like, wait, you just moved in. And we did the same thing when I was growing up is we, we built a house, we moved in. And I remember having people over all the time right away. And I thought, well, that's why we built this house. And I think that's why my mom and dad, you know, built the house was to have people and have family over, have friends over. And so our house was always warm and welcoming. Um, good food, you know, which always helps and a really good space. I mean, she was ahead of her time where our kitchen kind of joined with our family room, which back when we built that house in the eighties really wasn't seen. And so, yes, that was definitely intentional for her. And then I think I'm a byproduct of that. And so has been for me as well.
1: So tell me where you grew up and where your husband grew up and, and, What his childhood was like and how you sort of melded this together into your own family legacy.
0: So that's a really great question because he came from a very different family than I did. Like I said, my mom threw all the parties, super social, lots of, you know, always stuff going on. We're from um, the Bay Area, Walnut Creek, California. So it's about 20 miles east of San Francisco. I moved there when I was, I think, three. So, and then moved out when I went to college. So they're still there, been there, been there a whole life. My mom is still like, to this day, she called me, okay, this is what I'm doing for the ladies lunch. And we have to sit outside because it's COVID. So here she is like 68 years old and still throwing the parties, still doing the stuff. COVID is totally cramping her style, just like it is mine. Now, uh, Jeremy's family is very different where um, they grew up on the East Coast, uh, Potomac, Maryland in high school. He was in Boston in middle school. They kind of moved around um, a little bit. And he did not grow up with a family like that. So they did not entertain. They didn't really have people in their home. And so then you put you know, a little bit more of an introverted family with a super extroverted family like mine. And I remember we got married in May. When a long honeymoon, we came back and moved into our first house, which, which makes me so happy. I could like, it's not that first house is always so fun. And so we move in at the end of August. I remember in September, I said, we need to throw a Christmas party. We don't know anyone. We don't like, let's get to know our neighbors. Let's just invite a bunch of couples over. And it was actually families at the time and throw a big Christmas party. And Jeremy's like, wait, what? Like, we don't, we don't know anyone. Why would we throw a party? This is the weirdest idea. I remember the night of our first Christmas party, him pacing the house and just thinking, what if somebody, what if they don't come? I can't believe we're doing this. This is so weird. This is, it was so out of his comfort zone. And I just, I made all the food. I think we had like 30 people or something come. Our house was jam packed. We we're in this tiny little Tudor and Sugar House in Salt Lake City. It was filled to the brim. It was the best night ever. People came. People showed up. It was the first of 14 Christmas parties that I've hosted. And it honestly took Jeremy quite a few years to wrap his head around people will come. It'll be okay. It will be fun. And it's become part of our family culture. It's like who we are now. And Jeremy, especially with his business, he runs Traeger Grills. And so it's a ton of cooking and entertaining. It's like it's all him now as well, which has been really fun. But it took a long time for us to uh to figure that out. It was more like I was a steamroller and he, and he just went along with it.
1: Now that, that you've been married, you know, you have this history of hosting these parties. Do you feel like this is really important for your children to see as well? Um, one of the things I am continually impressed about, by, by with you is that you tend to invite people from very different backgrounds than your own, very different backgrounds from each other, and they all gather in your home, what do you want your children to know about that experience?
0: Yes, um, if we do not have a family over, a family not meaning our family, but you know, ex- not even extended family, friends, I would say, to come over on Sunday night for dinner, it is like the worst Sunday ever. So every weekend, who's coming over for dinner? What's the what's the party? What's the menu? What are we doing for Sunday night? So it's more of a Sunday dinner type thing, but we do, we, we love, um, meeting people. We love, um, especially people that move here from, you know, all over the world, people that move from out of state. I feel like welcoming people into your home is there is no connection made than inviting someone to your home and cooking for them, or even getting takeout for them. So yeah, we'll have, we'll have friends from all walks of life. We have a lot of refugees that we work with. We invite them and we'll invite our neighbors, like all at the same time. And I think thinking that you have to piece together, these people all know each other, they look like each other and, and they'll all get along. That sometimes isn't the best dinner party. Sometimes it's gathering people where you can learn from each other. You can understand different cultures and religions and not everyone's like us. And I think my kids, that's our, that's our normal now, you know? Um, we definitely have, have that. And I will say just on that note about inviting people into your home, now that we're in COVID, Jeremy, my husband, does a lot of lunches. And he now invites people into our home and he cooks them lunch for their, for their business meeting. And he has said there's been nothing like it. Like the relationships and the networking and the things that he has formed, just having someone, and they've been sitting outside until now. So I don't know what we'll do about that. But he said, there's been no meetings like he has had in his home when he has cooked a steak for these guys or these women that come over and they have a meeting. He said, their relationship is forever changed. And I think getting them out of the office, getting them into your home, you will forever have a friend once you do that.
1: I know that I personally feel like if I'm going to entertain, invite people to my home, prepare a beautiful meal, it's an, it's an expression of love for me. In fact, I was just talking about this on social media. It's a way that I show others that I love them, that I care about them, and that I want to hear their voice. And I feel like you really stand for that as well. Is, is that something that you go into each gathering? Like, how can I make each guest in my home feel loved, like I want to hear their perspective and I, I'm welcoming me, welcoming them into my circle.
0: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I think that starts with how, and and I say this, like from the minute that you open the door, what is your mood? You set the mood for the evening, for the lunch, for whatever it is. If you're high strung, stressed, you're worried about the clothes on the stairs and the laundry that people can see and you're, and the food's not ready. And you're just, and it's this kind of high intensity stress moment. Everyone will mimic your behavior and feel that way too. And so I feel like when I invite people into my home, it's, it's to rest from their day. It's to take a break. And so I have to mimic that behavior as well. Even if I'm feeling a little stressed because dinner's behind or whatever it may be, I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to be calm, cool, collected, because do you know what? They don't care. They do not care. They are coming to hang out with you and be with you. And I think introducing people and bringing them together and then letting them, like, you don't have to run the conversation. You don't have to run the dinner table questioning and answering. Like, People are, you know, we're, we're all adults and you'll be surprised at the bonds that are made and you can kind of be behind the scenes helping a little bit, but I try to be as present when I'm entertaining as possible. I sit at the table until we are absolutely done. I'm not getting up and picking up the plates and rushing to get dessert. If we have time, like let's relax, let's enjoy, because a minute that once again, that they feel that energy shift from like a little stress, we've got to hurry. Everybody's going to get up and start clearing the table. And if you want people just to relax at your table, to rest, to enjoy, to kind of take a load off, then you have to be that way too.
1: The heart of the home continues in just a moment. Hey, everyone, just letting you know about our accessories collection now on Stag Design Shop. It's growing from candlesticks to rugs to luxurious throws. These items will elevate your home and make great companions to our artwork, pillows and existing accessories. You can view the new collection for yourself at StagDesignShop.com. That's Stag with two G's. How do you come up with these guest lists that come from all these different backgrounds? What are you looking for when you're planning a guest list and and mixing that dynamic together?
0: You know, it normally starts with one family. And so, for instance, we just had a family that moved here from Indiana. And um, she was she's having a really hard time in Utah. She feels it racially. She feels it in the town that she lives in and has just had a hard time. So then I, I, I know that that's the case and I know where she lives. And I also know friends that live fairly nearby here. I know friends that are, are really intelligent and smart just like she is and that could really carry on a great conversation with her. So I start kind of piecemealing friends together, maybe just finding little tiny similarities. Um, it could be that my friend live back in Indiana when, you know, so they're just little tiny things. And sometimes it doesn't even matter. Sometimes there's not a string that connects it. It's like, hey, I invited them over. Do you guys want to come as well? Maybe it's inviting you know, a local neighbor and then someone from Draper and then another friend that lives, you know, right next to her that I think could could get along, or the husbands are friends or work together. So it does the commonality doesn't have to be a lot. Kids. Kids are like the main common denominator. Like if you have kids and I have kids, we can sit while our kids are running around and enjoy ourselves. So sometimes it's, hey, we all have a bunch of little toddlers. Come over, let's hang out. And sometimes the best conversations and dinners are when people don't know each other and we learn about other people.
1: You hosted a... I don't know if I want to call it a Black Lives Matter event at your home, but it was definitely discussing the racial tensions and the racial climate. Um, You invited a lot of people from backgrounds unlike your own. You know, just to put this out there, a white upper middle class woman hosting this gathering at their home may not be what people originally think of. How were you able to bring down the temperature, lower those tensions and really bring people together in a meaningful way?
0: Yeah. So I did two of those and we had plans for a third, which because of COVID, we were completely like, they just wouldn't let us, not they, but like we felt like it wasn't the right thing. So the first one was um, a discussion on, on race and that's what it was called. And I felt like what I do best is not repost something on social media to help the the social climate and the the discussion on race. I bring people together, and so I thought, how can I use my talents to further the discussion? How can I help the women who I see on social media floundering, or the women or you know men out there who are like, I want to help, but I do not know what to do. And by the way, I was one of those people. So I said, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring this together. And so a woman that I know named Cheryl Ellsworth, who is an amazing um, black woman that lives in Utah. I talked to her, I talked to a couple different friends and we got together. We had many meetings about this. We were super, um, careful about how we went about it. And we invited about half um, people of color and half white people. And, um, one thing is, is I had a gospel choir that was here. So music, music always brings people together, right? Um, that was, that was an amazing evening. Um, it was, it was tough, we did not skirt around issues. As Brene Brown says, clear is kind. It was clear. We were not going to say, oh, but it's okay because they, the people on the panel who were all people of color were done saying it's okay. They were going to sit there and they were going to tell their truths and tell their stories. The moderator who was black shared uh, her story and then went on to moderate the panel, which was very, very helpful coming from her. And we sat and listened and had questions and, um, had, had a couple things. I, I always feel like gatherings are really great when you actually have places to go and things to do. Meaning, do you have a drink station where people can go stand in line for a drink? Or do you have a little something that people can go write a note? So we had these posters that were, we had questions that peep that white participants had for their black friends. And so people were writing notes. So if you came and you didn't know a lot of people, you had an activity to do. There was an amazing gospel choir that just brought people together. By the end, we were all crying and dancing. At the beginning, we didn't even know each other. It was a really remarkable event. Then we did the same thing with teens. I did learn one thing. I try. I did not serve food. And this this woman who runs Fill the Pot Ministry. A amazing black woman who does amazing things in salt lake city came up to me and she said i'm starving you did not feed us you do not have black people into your home and you do not feed them you need to know that and i said oh, i literally died and i said do you know why i said because we didn't want it sometimes my thing is food like that's that's how i that's my uh buffer and and we the the my whole group, the planning organization, decided not to do food because we didn't want it to be about entertainment. We wanted it to to be about the discussion, and literally, my heart sunk. I about died, and I felt so terrible. And she laughed, but she was serious. She said, "Look at my husband. He's we're gonna go get we're starving." So I felt <laughs> terrible about that. So then we did a teen race discussion a month later, and we had um, Miss Essie's barbecue. We had like tons of food, tons of drinks, tons of teens. The night was the same. We had a DJ. We had music. The night ended in tears and dancing and love. And it's just, here's the thing. This is what I do. I just ask. I just invite. There doesn't need to be a lot around that. Now with COVID, it gets tricky. But do the asking, do the inviting. I promise you'll never regret it. I have never once regretted having people into my home or at a situation like this. And by the way, I was scared to death of these panels. It was it was a daunting experience, but it was so worthwhile for so
1: many. Well, I am also good friends with Cheryl. Um, we know each other through a really mutual friend in college. And she walked away from that. I remember having a conversation with her afterward because she was a little hesitant going into it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And afterward, to your great credit, uh, she was like, I walked away changed. It was You know, inspiring, uplifting. I felt like we were heard and seen. um, And coming from her, that is a huge compliment. What do you feel like your calling is in life? I think I'm trying
0: to figure that out. I have all six kids at school, not literally. But all six kids going to the same school right now, I drop them all off. And I actually, for the first time in 13 years, being a mom, I have six kids in eight years, I have a little bit more time on my hands when we're not quarantined. <laughs> um, and so I think I'm trying to figure that out. My, my greatest love and passion for sure right now is philanthropy. And I don't want to say philanthropy in terms of giving money, because I think actually giving money is the least thing that that makes an impact in what I do. It's getting your hands dirty. It's doing what you can with what you have. My family culture and what we do is really based around giving back is based on service opportunities, getting out in, in our community. And I really feel like that's the biggest impact I can have one for myself because when we give and we serve and we're out there with our feet on the ground, there's no way, no better way to end the day to my kids see how important it is. And number three, it's like, I can either throw a bunch of lunches and dinners and entertain, which is awesome, but you can only do that so much. And so what, how can I make an impact, bring people together, help people, serve people, give back. And all that we've been given is, is being out there and one trying to find the needs and then fulfilling those needs.
1: What kind of conversations happen within your family, your children, your husband after each gathering that you host at your home? You know,
0: it's cute actually. I've never I've never been asked this question. I think we always look at each other and last Sunday before you know, we kind of had where we can't get together. We had a family over. And and as we like close the door, Jeremy and I always look at each other and we're like, that was really good. Like that was it was it was heartwarming. And it's not about the food and it's not about the table. And and we care about that, right? Like you and I both do. Like that stuff's important, but it's more important for us. It's not important for anybody else really. You know, you do it to make your home beautiful so that they feel loved. But I love when we look at each other after the party, after the gathering, after the whatever and And we're like that. And we just kind of nod our heads like that was really good. And then we all pitch in and help clean up. I love when my kids, my favorite thing is to watch kids run into my house, have my kids grab them and go run to the basement or run to their rooms and just go play. And we have one rule at our house when we entertain is kids do not need to eat. Like they can come up when they are ready, but we let them scatter and they go play and the adults can hang out and eat and enjoy. And then as they come up, at least we've had a little time we can feed our kids and then they can kind of run from there. But I find sitting and having the kids like to eat. So my kids will be like, that was so fun. It was so fun getting to know all these different kids in different. And by the way, it's sometimes out of their comfort zone. Oddly for my olders, it's harder for them to kind of take these kids that they don't know than it is for my younger kids who just automatically run because they're you know, fast friends. Um, I love that my kids and I'm, I'm always having my older ones help with the younger kids and really take that on because it, it, it is like a service to have people in resting at your table and like letting their kids go run and be taken care of.
1: You say it's not about the food, but wow, do you do a good <laughs> job with the food? <laughs> like, Can we talk about how you came up with this concept? I feel like you're the queen of the snack board, the charcuterie. How did you kind of start serving and entertaining that way? Because It's like a common theme. Each of your gatherings has this amazing charcuterie spread of, you know, things you've just, I don't know, in my mind, it looks like you've just like snapped your fingers and whipped it together. But I know that's not the case. Um, Why did you start entertaining that way? You know, um,
0: I think when I entertain, and I say this a lot, like you can have all this takeout, have one thing that's the wow. Wow or one thing that's the talking point. And so I'll like, I'll store by everything, but I want one homemade soup or homemade rolls or whatever your specialty is. And so the snack board, I think grew from, we were hosting a lot of my husband's, um, we were outgrowing our old house and we were building this new house. And I, we had eight people, we were literally bursting at the seams. And so my husband has this awesome, um, big kind of cafeteria, makes it sound terrible because it's actually an awesome room at Traeger. And so we had these big tables because it was where all the employees ate. And so I started holding my kids' birthday parties there. I started holding football, you know, super bowl parties there and it wasn't kind of your typical um kitchen table because it was you know employees eating and so i started laying out craft paper and kind of filling it with snacks for my kids birthday parties or feeding my friends amazing food for super bowl but then laying out you know animal crackers and fruit roll ups and all of this kind of on this craft paper because it was literally out of necessity i wasn't going to haul all of my platters to my husband's office every time we entertained And I would say for a year, we probably did it every Sunday. And so it just kind of came where I'm like, Hey, we can just, we have these and Traeger, it was a barbecue company has these huge wooden boards, which I hadn't really seen. And this is years ago. So I started using those big wooden boards to put stuff out because I didn't have to do so many dishes. And so it kind of just came out of that. And then it grew out in popularity. And then it was like, Hey, what kind of snack board can I do next? And people love to eat that way. Right? Like we're all eating on plates most of the time. But when you can like, you know, find yummy, good food, I did a big, like what, 12 foot nacho bar. Like what else do you need? Like, that's just, it was so much fun.
1: What do you want people to take away after they leave your home after one of your gatherings?
0: I want them to feel like they are rejuvenated for the next day or their evening that they feel loved, that they feel like they got a break. I think sometimes just giving people a break when you invite, if somebody invites me over for Sunday dinner, I am so thrilled because I don't have to cook Sunday dinner and I can go and be a guest and feel loved and feel taken care of. Even if it's just for a few hours, my kids can go play and have a good time. And then you get in the car. And I think just that feeling of like, of having that rest of being rejuvenated, feeling loved, feeling like they cared, you know, that they took, you know, it, like you said, it's my language of love. And so I hope anyone that leaves my home absolutely feels that way. Like they really care about us and they, um, this night was like, was special for us.
1: And what do you want your children to think of their home life when they're older and they're raising families of their own? What do you want them to look back at their home and know? Yeah, I think that we invited
0: everyone into our home it wasn't just the people that look like us the people next door the people from school it was we invited everyone into our home um we got to know stories that's one of my favorite parts and for a while there we were having people in and i was um, entrepreneurs and especially women i had a lot of friends who are female entrepreneurs and i would have them i'd say you get dinner at our house but i want you to share your story And I had my kids sit and listen. And so that they learned at the dinner table, that they got to know different types of people and different cultures and different businesses, and that they learned um, and understood people better just by sitting around our dinner table. I think that's what what I would want them to take away.
1: Well, I have no doubt that you will figure out ways to entertain around our current COVID situation because you seem to always find a way. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to leave as sort of a lasting message with our listeners?
0: Yes, Um, I and you and a lot of us have nice homes that are pretty and they look great. And it's easy to invite people into your home when you feel like it's, quote, good enough. I think the important message is the whole, it's called the tag is scruffy hospitality and it's you have people into your home, whether it's perfect or not. And let me tell you, people will be more comfortable if your house is not perfect. If my house is a little bit messy and things aren't quite ready and the kitchens people are like, Oh, well, thank goodness. Like I feel so much more comfortable. If you walk in and it's very stark and very clean and very perfect, You just can't rest and relax and enjoy your time at someone's home. So I had, I I talk a lot about entertaining on Instagram. And I had a girl that said, I want to do it. I can't do it. I don't even have a kitchen table. I'm I'm so embarrassed of my house. And I said, you need a drink, have a diet Coke, a water, whatever that may be. And be like a bag of chips, throw it in a bowl. I promise you that is as meaningful, if not more than a gourmet charcuterie board. And so she, she texted me, or she DM'd me back, and she said, I put two of my side tables together, and I put on a, a, a you know, I put on some, whatever it was, on, onto her table. I moved some of my chairs together from different rooms, and I invited a family over for dinner. And she said, it was the best night of my life. She said, I never would have done that because it wasn't good enough. But she said, do you know what? They didn't care. They loved the invitation. They, and she said, I'm going to keep doing it. And I said, absolutely, the food can be terrible. The, you know, like you can have no food. You can just say, come and sit with me. Come and rest at my table. Come and bring, you bring the pizza and I have the root beer. Um, and let's just sit down and break bread together. But I hope that you invite, especially if your house is not perfect. Like despite everything else, the broken things, the whatever it is, I promise you people just want to be loved. They want to be invited into your home. That is what matters. And I even have friends say to me, like, I, can't, I don't even want to have you over for dinner because it's not good enough. And that breaks my heart, you know, with the cooking side of things. And I'm like, honestly, I chips and dip. Like I don't, I require nothing. If you invite me into your home, that is what matters. So invite anyways whatever your anyways is.
1: I love that. Where can people find you online?
0: Um, So mostly on Instagram. And then um, also I do YouTube workouts, offset all the (laughs) charcuterie boards, just YouTube, uh, Kristen Andrus, free at home workouts, which are super fun and hopefully get women moving um, mostly on Instagram. So
1: well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to the day that we can get together and party again, whether it be at your house or maybe I can host you at mine. I would love that. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review, and rate this podcast and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.